0: Hi Reeds and Weeds listeners, before we get into the episode about Worth the Fight, I wanted to remind you that in this era of decriminalizing plant-based medicines, it's still sometimes three steps forward and then a big slide back. While discussing Matt's book, I thought about how the freedom and awareness around entheogens in the last few years is amazing and hopeful, but meanwhile, in Traverse City, Michigan, just this October, the owner of Great Lakes Hemp Supplements, Michael Tui, was raided. And I don't know why it's still so surprising, but 40 Michigan State Police come busting in, even though he's not hiding anything, even though he's very well known in the community, they could have just knocked on the door and spoken with him or... We confiscated his tractor and burned all his plants, and he has not been charged with anything, and he has not gotten anything back. So in the notes, I'm going to include a GoFundMe link that was put together to help him recover. Also, if you're looking to do some end-of-year giving, please consider the Great Lakes Expungement Network and Last Prisoner Project. And I'll put links to those in the notes. Hi, this is Shelly with Reeds and Weeds, and we are back, and we're talking about healing again this week and I have two people on the show that have never been on the show before and I love it when that happens and I also love it when someone comes up to me and says yes let's do this specific book I want to talk about this specific thing and it also happens to be something that I love talking about and so I am right now with Amber as Amber Asbury and um, Matthew Simpson and do you go by Matt or Matthew?
1: Matt. Matt. Matt, Matt, Matthew, Maddie, M-Dog, Maddie,
0: yeah. Dr. M, <laughs> and Matt is the author. I'm so excited that that y'all know each other, and he is the author of a book called Worth the Fight. Yeah, so I've been, I've actually did the audiobook, which you read as well, correct?
1: Yes, 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 indeed. yes. yes. Thank you, yes. thank you for reading that, and thank you for having me.
0: Oh, you're so welcome, you're so welcome. Like I said, I thought Matthew knew a lot more about what we were about to do than he does. (laughs) So I appreciate you rolling with everything. And uh, this is a show where we smoke weed and talk about books and not everybody has to smoke weed, but I usually do. And a lot of my participants do. And we have had a lot of conversations about healing and psychedelics and, and, and all of that. But first, Amber, tell me. How we ended up connecting. Like, do you work within either Decrim Nature or the Cannabis Industry Association or something like that?
2: So, yeah, I work in the cannabis industry. I'm actually the resources director for Nirvana Center. It's oh, um, huge. Yeah. Like that? Yeah. It's a chain of dispensaries in Michigan, um, the best dispensary, in my opinion. But at the time, I worked for Glorious Cannabis and we had a vendor up at the um, Reggae on the River festival
0: oh we, yes I saw
2: for yes. how it happened but somehow we started talking I think my mushrooms my mushroom tattoo usually gets people talking to me about psychedelic
0: and uh
2: yes as, as soon as somebody so, starts talking to me psychedelics to me I recommend Matt's book
0: <laughs> well we were at the we were at the decriminalized nature table we mm-hmm. were collecting signatures yeah and I, I think I was going around to every single place collecting mm-hmm. signatures everybody had microdose. It was just lovely. It was a lovely, lovely day. Yeah, and then you cool. found me again at Intheo Fest, which is an event in Ann Arbor. Yeah. Um, okay. So Reggae on the River was in Ypsilanti and that was wonderful. And then Entheofest is, this was the second year and you came up to the My Reeds and Weeds table, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see the, the momentum that psychedelics are starting to get, you know? Oh it's- Yeah resource and people have this like almost reef madness mentality about psychedelics and I'm, I'm glad to see that the research is starting to catch up to what a lot of people already know
0: oh of course of course and were you there last year when Picard was there no Remember we, we were-
2: I think we had something else in, we were in Kentucky there was a some reason we were yeah there. yeah both bummed that we couldn't go though
0: yeah. Yeah. That is, that is the place, man. This girl walked up to me to the table and she said, I'm really, really new to this whole idea of psych- psychedelic healing. And I wonder if you can, you know, where should I start? And I'm like, you're standing in the middle of Entheo Fest. <laughs> Like, I think the universe sure, has answered was. your call, girl. <laughs> you're like, I think you found it. You know, and she, she was like, oh yeah. You know, it's like, there's any question you want to ask Right here in the diag, everyone wants to share with you. Everyone wants to help you on your journey, and that's that's the kind of community that it is. Okay, so um, Amber introduced me to Matt, and how do y'all know each other?
2: I actually went to meet Delic. It's a psychedelic conference in Vegas, and you know my boyfriend and I are just walking around the booths, and I saw Matt, and we got to talking, and I something about it. I instantly bought his book. I'm like, I like this guy. I read it right away. I found him on Facebook, like a stalker and was like, Hey, stranger danger. I love you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he's okay with that. When you've got a book, you're trying to get out. (laughs) I'm sure there are many worse encounters that you can have with someone who approaches you at one of those events. And that was a positive one. So no problem. So, and then Matt, Matt is the author of this book, and so I'm going to just ask you a bunch of questions about the book. One of the things I am curious about, you recently moved from Illinois. Did you grow up in Chicago?
1: Uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
0: Oh, in Milwaukee. Okay, okay, and then you were a young professional in Chicago.
1: Yep, made the big big trip down to Chicago uh, to join the rat race, and and that's kind of the as you know that that's the midwestern hub where where it
0: really is we used to call it the freshman class you know it's like you could see them. it's like oh this is the we're at the bar where the freshman class hangs out like they just left college and got their first job in chicago and now they're they're like competitively partying you know they're like you do like you do i did it I was there for a lot of that myself. So in this book, Worth the Fight, as as I was reading it, um, I was thinking about the title. And at first I was like, oh, he's talking about like the fight for legalization. Then I'm like, no, no, no. He's he's talking about the fight for mental health. No, no, no. He's talking about the right. I'm like, oh, maybe it's all of that, you know. But first I wanted you to tell us about the title and what led you to write it at all. I mean- I think I know, but I'd love to hear you just talk about the title and why you decided to write it at all.
1: Yes, thank you, thank you, Shelley, for having me. You're welcome. Of, thank you welcome. Thank you for having me, and Amber, thank you for the invitation and making this happen. Uh, grateful to be here, opportunity to share and connect with like minds. Uh, yeah, worth the fight. Your uh, position there is, is is correct, and all all three. You know, there's a there's a collective fight uh, for our collective. Maybe even our collective soul, collective mental health, and then there's a there's a fight that that all of us engage each morning when we look ourselves in the mirror, you know, and, and, and approaching spirituality like like a fight. there's a lot of fluff around spirituality, and you know, a, a lot of fluff on this path in terms of of the rosiness and over exuberance. And when this this healing journey, it's it's a journey and it's a challenge, and it can be a fight for sure. But it's yeah. worth it. It's a worthy fight, you know. There's, yes. uh, you know, my, my mentor uh, Akshay Nanavati helped to inspire this work, and, and you know, he wrote a book called *Firvana* that was endorsed by His Holy, Holiness the Dalai Lama, and and you know, find a worthy struggle, or struggle will find you, and that's mm-hmm. really, really kind of resonated with me. And
0: yeah, yeah. So when you before you tell a story about meeting up with your friend, and you were on this trajectory of being financially successful, and You know, doing a lot of things that people would think would make you happy in your early 30s, I guess, and it was very unfulfilling and bordering on dangerous and you I don't know if you confronted it before all of this happened I think you did, but you suddenly realized that a lot of your trauma was from sort of a repressed childhood abuse. And would you say that is what cracked you open? Like had it always been under there and you were just keeping it at bay? And then how soon after that did you decide to start going on a healing journey?
1: Yes. Yeah, great question. Um, The, you know, there was was an awareness, started doing my inner work, You know, early thirties, I, I confronted my family about the childhood sexual trauma that happened in my past. And I was just, you know, like tired of this, like my parents living this story about, of this glamorous childhood that we had, which, which wasn't, uh, or idealistic, I think is a better, better term. And Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. so, so I think that my, my true seeking journey started then, uh, when I, when I pulled them aside said, Hey, this, this happened, this is reality. And I don't want to carry this. This is our families to carry. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, I started asking questions, started getting more curious, ended up a few years later, having a really profound psilocybin experience that helped me to realize that I'm, I'm moving on this path and, and maybe closer than I, than I thought that I was. And then I, you know, deepened into my meditation practice and then all the while I'm realizing this strange conundrum, the more that I follow our societal definition of success the sicker I'm becoming. And I was just like, what the fuck is up with this? So I sold a a business on my 35th birthday that I've been worked at for eight years as a co-owner and founder. And and I sold this business. And while I was supposed to be out celebrating with with the new brass, the new national company that bought us all I could think about was this path of service that I'm on right now. And two months later, I was down in the jungles of Costa Rica, having a, a, a deep healing with ayahuasca.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so I haven't done ayahuasca yet, but I have had profound healing experiences. And did you have a friend that was going or did you just seek it out? You Did, did you just Google it? Did you just look it up and go find it? Yeah, okay. I, went, okay. I
1: totally went rogue. I, I told... Uh, my my friend Molly, uh, I think she was the only one that knew. And there was a week uh, on Christmas break after Christmas. I didn't go home to Wisconsin for Christmas that year. My mom came down and, you know, I I'd set because I had to follow the dieta and, and not having, you know, heavy foods and alcohol. Yeah,
2: and yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, And yeah, I I went, I went rogue and, and um, you know, I'd had such a profound experience with psilocybin, you know, going through my circle of influence and, or or my network, I should say, getting these signals, these, these clues, you know, coming across other people that had had experiences. And I was like, and frankly, I mean, in a time of prohibition, a time where there's so, so little awareness back, this was back in 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know there was anything stronger. I didn't know what the heck psilocybin was. What is this? This isn't you like, like I've immersed my, my, my whole life has been centered around paying the grace of plant medicine healing forward. And I've been out of the psychedelic closet since, since 2017 advocating mm-hmm. for our war veterans. But at that, at that time, yeah. I didn't have a certain clue. So then when I found out, Hey, there's something stronger than mushrooms, like, dude, I'm going to, to coach yeah. whatever that is, yeah. I'm going to go and I'm going to see what's up. You know, I followed the rules uh, in terms of the intentions yeah, yep. it was all kind of hokey and, but, but it you know, it works. And, and I had an incredible. Oh, yeah,
0: Do you know, have you read fellowship of the river?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've taken Dr. taffer's river course and I oh, had a podcast and, and I'd consider oh. a mentor of mine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you know Eric in an Arbor, Eric Massey? I
1: uh, don't know Eric.
0: Oh, okay. He's ve- I would just so assume you guys knew each other. You should connect. Maybe I'll connect you. He did. We, we discussed fellowship of the river and, some other people from the Psychedelic Society. So have you ever visited up here, the Psychedelic Society up here doing your work? In Ann Arbor? Again, yeah. Uh,
1: I have not visited the Psychedelic Society. I did have, uh, you know, I presented Worth the Fight at a, I think the Midwestern entheogenic gathering. Uh, oh!
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I
1: have family in, in Ann Arbor and I've, I'm very familiar with it and 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 know that you, that you all have a decrim zone and, and super yes. exciting to have that in the Midwest. I think that's, that's a very inspiring, pioneering initiative.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's that? Hazel Park is decriminalized too. Yeah. We were, we were marching towards the statewide and it, it got to be like Oh my gosh. It's an overwhelming around the, like when I, when you, I was first into this book and I was thinking about Worth the Fight and I was thinking, oh, we can't give up on that statewide ballot. (laughs) I just am like, but at the time it felt like such a battle, you know, it felt like such a battle with people. Basically, I think you'll appreciate this story, Matt. So there was Do you know the name Julie Barron? I thought you might've met her at that Midwest conference. She might've been a speaker there too. She has been running the psychedelic society here for, for many years. And she is a counselor, a licensed counselor, and she does therapy. She was a therapist before she became a psychedelic therapist. And we were going city by city, trying to talk to city councils about agreeing to a decision to make entheogenic plants and fungi, the lowest level priority for law enforcement, right? Hazel Park went there, Washtenaw County went there, and we were in East Lansing. We were at this meeting for maybe five hours. They put us at the very, very end of the docket. Probably 20 people got up and spoke about life-changing healing. We just had people lined up talking about life-changing healing using psychedelics. Then we had like five or six people on Zoom and then everybody on the council thanked us and said it was they. they thanked us for our advocacy, and they th- and then they voted against it. Uh. And that was when we were like, oh! <laughs> on the way home, we were just like, this is exhausting. Why do people vote against their interest? You know, but it is part of the part of the overall healing.
1: And, and with uh, Colorado's big move last week or two weeks ago, you know, we're on an opportunity where that that sends a huge signal to every, every decrim movement, you know, and I think of things, the the herd effect. I always say, if we have 50 cows out, out in a, in a field and, and two of them start kind of meandering over towards the the tree over there, the 48, all 48 are going to follow in time. And that's, you know, we're herd animals And, uh, so, so perhaps the next time around things might be differently again, that positive signal of, of Oregon and Colorado.
0: Yeah. Well, so much is so much has changed. Like when I think about 2014, we were a gray state, I think as far as cannabis went anyway, there were places open. There was plenty of dispensaries open, things like that. That was definitely a psychedelic society. I knew a lot of people talking about healing, trauma healing. All of that was already happening. I guess the frustrating part about being on the front side of those waves is that you're watching a lot of people struggle unnecessarily, which um, I guess once you go through a profound healing experience, you just, you you definitely want to go share the good news. You know, you want to go help someone and and turn to a life of service. So Worth the Fight is your journey from feeling broken and definitely on the wrong path and going through a healing journey in a way that you never thought you would to a life of service now. So tell me when, because I can't remember when it came out in relation to when you first started on your healing journey, how far in did you start realizing you were maybe going to write a book about all this healing?
1: You know, I, I, I knew immediately that this had to be shared. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure how that was going to happen. Uh, There was so much constriction in my life. You know, I have this incredible visionary experience, this deep healing, this beyond love that I write about and worth the fight that has been my central quest. Like, why is it that a 35-year-old man who's been around you know good people good family good friends why is it that he feels love for the first time in his life at 35 years old like what the heck so that's been a central quest of mine but it took a year of me untangling the mess that i created in corporate america in chicago to leave on on a good terms so there was a buyout involved and then you know i traveled with a backpack for 18 months 2016 and 2017 you know and then this service work you know i i i joined on with a veteran organization that was organizing ayahuasca retreats, an organization called uh, Veterans for Entheogenic Therapy. They're no longer, uh, you know, we hit a, ran into a buzzsaw in 2018 in terms of funding and, but there's incredible organizations that have, have kept the torch, uh, so to speak, Heroic Arts Project, doing a similar work and uh, veterans exploring treat, treatment solutions. Our Navy SEALs and Special Forces have drawn a line in the sand and, and they're, they're providing healing for our war veterans. In terms of when you know, I had that, the clarity of, of writing the book, it was probably after I knew the whole time I was talking about it while I was on this travel journey. And I even had people like call me on it, like, Matt, are you going to talk about this thing forever? Or are you going to actually freaking do it? And so that of course is some good mirroring by, by my network. And it was after my service work with that. And I was just thinking this, this has to be shared. And there, it was substantive, substantive, uh, very substantial at that point in terms of the message with our veterans, where, where the book is not about me. I share my story to the degree to which it tells a larger narrative about what is possible. And it was, it's really Mm -hmm. about, you know, sharing this, you know, veteran collective soul mission and message of hope and healing, especially during these precarious times where there's so much polarization. I think this is something that we can come, come together on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amber, I'm curious when you read this, how much could you relate? Had you been through similar?
2: Um, I definitely have damage. So yeah, it for sure resonated deep down in my soul. If you would think that Matt pays me to um, endorse to <laughs> Listen to me, I suggest, you know, we all have healing to do and not a lot of people realize the, um the benefits of psychedelics. So it's like, you know, to have this tool that I can hand to them, like here, this is your first step. I'm really grateful for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The thing about like, are you going to write about a a book about this or what? When I first started this podcast, I had just done 5MAO DMT for the first time and couldn't talk about anything else. And people would say like, are you going to do it again? I was like, I don't know. I think I got it. (laughs) It's like, I feel like. If, if you do that one right, it's pretty clear. Like the world, yeah. I don't know if I need my head cracked all the way open <laughs> and the universe let in in a split second again anytime soon. I think I've got a pretty clear memory about how it all went down, but I couldn't stop talking about it. That was when I discovered the need for things like integration circles to go, why is it? Why do I have to talk about it so much? Mm-hmm. And it's because on the other side of that, I always think about Bible stories where the scales fall off the eyes and someone can see clearly. And then they walk around shouting about the good news because of their miraculous healing. And it's like, yeah, that's the closest I've ever come to that. I'm not around a lot of people anymore who are scared of the idea just because of the type of people that I surround myself With, they're all pretty sold on the idea. But as you're out there, you're working with the veterans organization now. Is that your main role? Your mission?
1: Indirectly, I mean, it's that's the the message. I'm donating all the profits of Worth the Fight to facilitate psychedelic healing in our war veterans amid a mental health crisis and suicide epidemic. So I'm serving as a, a messenger, trying to get the word out, get the book out. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, you know, I'm an empowerment life coach. So I've been hosting magic and microdosing groups. Uh, I moved down to Miami in February and and I didn't know that Miami was also known as the, the, the AKA the magic city. And I was like, oh, magic and microdosing. This is a good fit. So I've yeah, been hosting yeah. groups and, and building community on meetup. We have a, a giant psychedelics and limitless personal growth meetup. Uh, with close to 2,000 p- limitless beings, so hosting meetings and and shifting my work a lot towards microdosing. About 18 months ago, I, I noticed a big shift in the market. Everybody who's coming to me is coming to me for microdose support. Uh, yeah, because they're blah. hearing
0: about it. Yeah, 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 they're starting to hear about it. It's like you can tell when things hit Instagram. <laughs> it's like, oh, am I happy? about this? Am I happy to be seeing psychedelics on Instagram or not? Do I, I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad it's out there, but there's something about the reverence. There's a reverence that I'm worried will get lost on Instagram, (laughs) I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Psychedelics meets capitalism is is a a very interesting dynamic because they're they're diametrically opposed in many respects. But we do, that's the world we live in. That's the society that we live in. So it is, it does feel, there's times where I see things and, and it just doesn't feel right. You know, it's was having a, right. you know, it's here in Wonderland, Miami, the biggest psychedelic conference of 2022. And there's the give me's around ketamine, we're like ketamine cookies and like for marketing. And it was just like, just kind of, just kind of strange to see that. I mean, it's such a powerful, profound experience and to see the different how this, again, it meets our capitalistic society is, is the rubbers meeting the road right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because within, within our, our community here in Michigan specifically, but I guess it feels very global because we've got people from everywhere, but sharing is promoted. You know, everybody's talking about sharing, sharing your mushrooms, sharing your plants, sharing whatever you have. When a psychedelic event is hosted, there people are compensated, but it's because they traveled here from Mexico or they are compensated because there's support needed. But it's, I really, I really hope it doesn't go the way of the commercialization of cannabis. I really am just praying that we can figure out a better way to do it, to share it so that it doesn't, I don't know how to do it. I think the way to do it is what you're doing is holding meetups and you're coaching and it's a tool that you use. So it is still ceremonial for you that is what I'm hoping for. So I don't know if you're listening, please picture a way for us to move forward with no, like the decriminalization is the important part. Yeah. The marketing is not as important. So when I say decriminalization, I just mean like, let it be Mm -hmm. among the people with no stigma. I'm not saying let's have a million stores selling it because it's. You you know, know. I
2: will say uh, with dispensaries and legalization of cannabis, for our dispensaries, the majority of the customers are elderly people who are looking for an alternative to the pharmaceutical company that they've been told that they need their entire life. So I think that, you know, the key with psychedelics is the absolutely the decriminalization. It's like a double-edged sword. Like, we have to make people aware of it. and. Um, let them know how life-changing it is. But at the same time, keep Big Brother's hand out of it as much as possible. And it's a fine line to walk.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I guess it's all about, like anything, like where you find anything. You you know who to trust. You build a network of trusted sources. And you make sure people are doing things for certain reasons. But, yeah, I I want to shout it from the rooftops as well. So now... It's been almost, what, eight years since your Costa Rica trip?
1: Yeah, yeah, seven to eight yeah. years, so it's been yes. some time.
0: Yes, yes, and since then, have you gone back to Ayahuasca, or have you branched out, or what has happened since then?
1: Yeah, I have uh, was deep in the ayahuasca medicine from early 2015, uh, late 2014, early 2015 to February of 2018. And uh, that was an experience, a very trying experience in Peru. And, and I just got the message like, Hey, you know, it was a a few months after that experience when I was writing Worth the Fight. It was this profound moment of grace when I was like, Hey, dummy, it's not about the medicine. It's about living the medicine and being the medicine for others. I was starting to get this kind of anxiousness of, well, when's my next trip to Costa Rica? When's my next trip, next trip to Peru? And again, that that moment of grace, a very clear aha from a deep, deep part of me, whether it's the, the medicine or my soul or higher power. Um, but it was profound enough that it. That it stuck. It's just like, hey, it's about being the medicine for others and living the medicine and integrating the, the the experience. And that I I had 16 ayahuasca journeys spread out over the three to four years. Uh, so there's a lot of integration to be done. in nervous system. I believe that these peak experiences that we have, just like we're we're so often healing from trauma and the traumas in our nervous system. So are these peak experiences. So, you know, I've, I've deepened into a contemplative practice with meditation and journaling, and I love the Wim Hof method and cold exposure and fitness and, you know, all these things that have been, been so, so meaningful for integrating the peak experience into the day-to-day. So I could be a better service to our human family.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Where would you say you are on your journey now? Is it just finding better ways to serve or keeping all of your habits? Are you a habits? Like I must keep my habits in order or it, does it feel easy now? Like a flow?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's an ease to it. I think, um, there there's reframing the, the struggle and kind of enjoying it. I I think that that can happen. And that has happened where uh, I love my practices. I love the things that I put myself through. Uh, when I started it, I, I didn't enjoy like getting in the cold water. I didn't enjoy, you know, sitting in meditation. I didn't enjoy journaling my thoughts, but it's just something that I do now. And, you know, I like to be discipline, but also to be flexible and spontaneous and playful and, and, and making space for both. Yeah. Yeah. But more, more so right now it, it's about service. Well, it's always been about service, but it's about how do I, how do I expand? How do I grow the word to fight mission and message of hope and healing? How do I impact and serve more people? And I've been doing that with the magic and microdosing uh, masterminds. And that's been a, a labor of love. And we're in the midst of our fourth cohort and bringing people together from all over the country on zoom for eight weeks. We set really bold intentions on the front end. We start the microdosing journey. I'm supporting people sharing the uh, worth the fight practices and, and psychedelic integration practices and principles from my book. And I'm just loving this nuanced terrain of, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I love it. Oh, that's fun. So you meet, you don't meet in Miami. You meet on zoom
1: on zoom. Yeah. People from all over the country.
0: Oh. Oh, oh, that's great. And they sign up for like an 8 week. Is there a site for that that I can promote?
1: Uh most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put it in the chat right now. Yes.
0: Have you done that, Amber? No, I haven't. Magic and microdosing?
1: Yeah, I got another group starting January 10th. And also I do do the one-on-one coaching with not everybody's comfortable with doing group work. I do the I do the one-on-one where I can hold people's hand through the process and yeah it's been a just an amazing time to, and the magic to see the transformation that can happen with the microdosing and then uh, an earnest effort to engage the integration practices it's it's truly magic that that we can have so much benefits very low risk profile relative to the peak experience yeah, a peak experience still, but maybe that's not for everyone. And maybe for people coming onto this path, it's maybe it's better to start with microdosing. Uh, I always affectionately say, maybe it's better to learn how to drink out of a sippy cup before a fire hose of inspiration. Uh, oh, yeah. And, you know, to get them set up where they have the practices in place, they understand, you know, what the experience is about the deep reverence. And I think that that will in time equate to to getting more paradoxically more out of the peak experience.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. One of the things I see is, or I guess I've noticed is if someone, especially working at something like Anthiofest, where there's all day long a row of people coming at me and they're either saying they just had a profound experience or they are say they're desperate for healing, but you realize that what the first step is, they sought something. They've like cracked the door open because I think for a lot of people there that the marketing against doing anything wacky or out of the norm is so strong that they can't even let the door be opened. They can't even peek into that world because it would go again. It's so stepping outside of your tribe for some people. I remember, I mean, I grew up in the 70s and 80s in a small town in South Carolina, but even things like I think about how suspicious my immediate family was against anything, against chiropractors, you know, they didn't even believe, they didn't even believe in like any, oh, she goes to get a massage, or he goes to a psychiatrist, like they weren't into anything like that, right, and so for me, just at that point, probably learning about music from the 60s, or something was like, well, no, I mean, I knew about LSD first, probably, and mushrooms as a teenager, but the the idea that things that we've been marketed about this type of substance are wrong i learned so young that one of the things you say throughout your book is like bullshit incorporated like and and i'm assuming you know when you say it that you mean like all the corporate bullshit being marketed to us about what we need to live in a certain way or what success means the marketing of the type of success That makes a capitalistic society works. And as you sort of watch that house of cards fall, as you mature and seek the truth, you have to make a choice at every step of that. You have to go, oh, should I stay over here in ignorance is (laughs) bliss? Or should I poke holes in this until this whole thing crumbles in front of me? Because then I'll have to deal with that. I'll have to realize that everything that was behind what I was taught possibly not true. (laughs) And then then, but what am I going to do with that? And so as I was reading this, I was just reliving a few segments of my life, you know, where something happened and you watch something, an institution you used to believe in, or a setup that you used to buy into and you watch it crumble. And I think if you don't have a way for your mind to reintegrate that into the truth, a truth that you can use, you know, not just devastation of like, oh no, the world is crumbling around me, but rebuilding a new truth. That's better. That's not that. And truly in that transition, I i have not seen anything better than, than psychedelics. <laughs> well, you tell me, cause you're dealing with lots of people and you're watching them. I, I assume they're kind of reporting every week on the zoom calls correct Mm -hmm. right tell me because one of the things that has been so profound for me is watching someone go through a healing experience and so many things that they didn't even have access to before everything cracks open and you can see the inner workings of what has harmed you and what needs to get be weeded out and all of these things and it happens so quickly that it's hard to even say Right, it's hard to even explain to people. Find the the picture of like I think I met God real quick and everything became clear, but also I was a million molecules spread out over space and time. You you know, you're just trying to wrap it up for people real quick. What happened? How do you see people putting together? Trauma was here, my head was cracked open, and I'm integrating over here. What are the interesting things that you've learned about that process? That was a very long question, but do you understand what I'm asking?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I do. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's, my answer is twofold. The experience hosting these microdosing groups, you know, it's a little bit of a different experience with the microdosing Your head is not getting cracked open. The, the best way that I can describe the experience is 3% more empathy, 3% more courage, 3% yeah. self-awareness. So yeah. we're very local in our body. And when we have the integration practices and we're capturing that, the 3% more awareness and we're journaling and we're making a commitment to the group, uh, to the, to the universe, to, to me, to themselves for integrating these insights and over the course of time. And they're also stacking the the practices of meditation, which are scientifically proven to boost self-awareness, health, well being. I mean, the the studies are, are, are endless, they're exercising more, they're feeling more of a boost in terms of their mood and their energy levels. So seeing this happen gradually and having nothing get lost in translation. And that's, that's one of the challenges that I, that I saw. And I'm again, not against the peak experience that has meant so much to me. And I think if someone's really like looking to, to remove some blocks and get aggressive with healing trauma, go do an ayahuasca journey, go to five grams of mushrooms and have a sitter be there with you. And and you're going to have a deep, profound journey. But the microdosing again, is a, is a little bit different. And uh, again, nothing is very little is lost in translation. Everything, almost all these insights can be uh, digestible, can be Mm -hmm. integrated into the day-to-day, which is so important because, because a lot does get lost in translation. We have this profound experience And then we have to come back to our shitty desk job. And it's like, well, how do we, how do we bridge that, that world, that world of transcendence and the day-to-day responsibilities and commitments that we have?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the reason why I love microdosing myself is because I went through a period maybe like 12 years ago. I know it was much longer than that. At some point I got put on ADD medication as an adult. And I went through all sorts of trial and error trying to figure out if I should. And moral, just like, ah, this isn't me. I don't believe in this. Oh my gosh. And then was on it for about six or seven years and was still just like, oh my gosh, why am I on this? It it was a very internal struggle for me to. I felt like I'd given in to this pharmaceutical, right? One of the things that I can tell to anyone out there who feels that sort of, I can't, like there's too many thoughts swirling around and I can't formulate my energy is for me, microdosing mushrooms specifically feels like an amazing multivitamin that almost cures my ATD because it rises me just above my worry about how I'm going to do everything. And am I capable enough to handle everything? And it lifts me above that to sort of a, a delight in it all. Like, Oh, these are just my little life tasks and (laughs) everything's okay. There's, it's not a race. It's not a timeline. And I really can't explain scientifically what is going on with that. But the truth is, is I really can't explain scientifically what's going with ADD medication I don't know either thing, but I do know it's the least harm. Like microdosing mushrooms for me is the least harmful. One of the least harmful, most positive things that I can do for myself on a regular basis. Energy, mental health, dealing with stress. Yeah. And it's been quite a long time since I've had a peak experience with mushrooms. My last big, big psychedelic experience was probably 2018. But I mean, I still, I'm still grappling with it. And I'm still, one of the things that it was great to be reminded of is the practices that, the practices, I guess, of natural health and integration are free. Breathing is free. Breath work is free. Taking a cold, cold shower is free. Doing yoga is free. Pay attention to that because it's there for you. It's there for you. And it can get you back to a state without anything free and not ingesting anything and i think there's some ego attached to living in a capitalist world for a long time and being promoted certain things is like it must not be worth much if it's free right but it is and that that's a huge hurdle for some people maybe maybe that is a positive side to the marketing is maybe there's some people who won't try it if someone just gives it to them but they will try it if they have to pay for it. So I guess that could be positive, but it surprises me that something so free is, I have encountered people who are suspicious of the fact that it's free. It must not be worth it. They want a pill. I guess that's just what it is.
2: Yep. They want the doctor to
0: prescribe it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah personal empowerment of how these models, you know, this, Hey, the answers are inside of you versus the answers are in a pill that the pharmaceutical companies are going to give us that notion that the answers are inside of us is, is really scary. Oh shit. Like if that's the case, then there's a personal responsibility that is required.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And,
1: And, uh, people don't, that can be a lot. That can be very overwhelming for people to, to, to make that realization. Like, oh shit, I've created this mess. I've created my reality, but that can also be very liberating and like, whoa, if I created this, then I can clean it up and do something different and and create maybe my dreams. Maybe go, go big, go follow my heart's desire.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think I have forgotten how buried... When I was reading, you know, the early parts of the book where I would say a lot of healing that starts with a desperate journey has deep shame as a motivator, early stages for a lot of people and facing it means naming it, which is shame city, you know? And so that first, first step of whoa, if I say that this is really how ashamed I am of what has happened to me or what I am as a person, then I've named, like, until then, if you haven't named it, you don't have to do anything about it. But after you name it, your brain is, it's like your soul is not going to allow you to go, well, there it is. Now your choice is just to, (laughs) what are you going to do with it? And so it is, it had been a long time since I had thought about that level of like, I don't wanna name this, I don't wanna name this, but I have been there. I have definitely been there. And it's amazing how one step towards the light, just one step, just considering changing or considering the fact that you're not the only one or considering the fact that you don't have to stay this way any of those thoughts before you take any other action, just the thought that it can change and my brain can do that. And I'm free to do that. No matter what circumstances are, I can change my brain and get on the other side of it, which is worth it. <laughs> and we're back to the title. Huh. the
1: <laughs> Shelly, what, what you're describing is, you know, that, 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 And it's my earnest hope and prayer that worth the fight. The message is like, Hey, that shame, we can use that, you know, that there's no way around it. I looked for all the shortcuts while I was on this journey, but I believe wholeheartedly that degree to which we lean into our darkness, the pain, the adversity, Mm -hmm. the shame, the trauma is the very same degree to which we can stand and share and love in our light. We can't have it both ways. So there's a lot of energy in our hurts and our fears and our shame and our traumas, And we can catalyze that and heal that and leverage that and use that to be healthy, happy, strong and do the work that we're here to do.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with things like
2: that. It's up to us to shed light on it. It's also up to us to heal from it. But like, for me, I'm super insecure. So it's like, yeah, I can create this mess that I have to clean up easily because essentially I think I'm a failure. But it's the trust in ourselves that we do, we are capable of putting it back together. That's where I lack personally. It's like, I don't believe in myself enough to know that I actually have the tools within me to correct everything that I think I can better myself with. And that's, I think a lot of people struggle with that too.
0: Of course, of course. And even people that seem to be crushing it at life generally still feel that way. Oh, I mean, the definitely. I would say it used to surprise me how many people who seem to be living some kind of great life were t- having a tumultuous inner battle. But now I would say I assume it. Like, yeah, I assume yeah. if I'm meeting you as a human that's made it this far that you've been through a tumultuous battle internally, at least, very least, probably externally as well. And that I hope that whatever it is, wherever you bump into something that can allow you to feel more love or allow you to understand joy at a deeper level, allow you to let go of any kind of thing that's blocking you. I hope that you understand that you're just a human going through a human situation and we're all for you. We believe we, we're humans too. You know, I think a lot of times it's this weird conundrum of, oh yeah, I've heard that worked for a whole bunch of people, but I don't know if it'll work for me. It's yeah. like, well, are you a troubled human? Cause that's <laughs> sort of the qualification to get into this kind of thing is oh, yeah. <laughs> be a messed up human with yeah. a brain and organs and then take a step in this direction. And you're going to be with like minds because one of the things I've really appreciated over the years, and I remember it very early on at a psychedelic integration circle that Julie was having. We sit down, it's a bunch of people at some place right on University of Michigan campus. And the people in the room are like a neurosurgeon, a veteran, a psychotherapist. I mean, the, the room was full of this super interesting group of people. And they were being more honest than and vulnerable in the first couple of minutes of being there about the only way I got off my meth addiction after PTSD after that was this and I'm here and I want to work with this group. And then the next person is like, I'm studying the brain. And it's all these people that are working on it. And if you're wondering how honest you can be, if you're starting to heal, you'll, you'll find it's out there. I mean, thank God for the internet at this time and day and age, you can Google it. You can find your tribe. You can go to the magic microdose mastermind group. You could, there's things to read. There's podcasts to listen to. One of the great things about worth the fight is as you're going through your healing journey, you're, you know, you're saying, feed your mind, feed your body, heal your body, heal your mind and, and offering all sorts of podcast suggestions and other physical practices that kind of train your body. But it's just at my age and with who I surround myself, I'm like, how on earth could people not know about this yet? Because they don't, because there's a million things fighting for their attention. And all of it is like, zam, pow, you know, look at me, I'm sexy. It's like, (laughs) ayahuasca isn't that sexy. You know, you poop and you throw up a lot, you lose your shit and being, exposing your own shame to the light and fighting back for it isn't super sexy. But What I would say, because sometimes I really want to jog on social media, but seeing the, the wave of vulnerability and sharing, I think is aiding this amount of healing along because now nobody can say it's not true or nobody can say I'm the only one because they can find a million other people like them and hopefully go in the direction of healing instead of the direction of anger or shame which is what I think we're all working on in this crew not all of us but <laughs> but I'm saying what what we're I think we're all kind of on the same larger team I would I would say yep. yeah I want to wrap up here in just a couple of minutes I want to hear some final thoughts from Amber just on either your healing journey if you'd like to share or psychedelic experience if you'd like to share or Mm -hmm. one of your healing missions with your company, if you'd like to share.
2: Um, I, you know, I, I'm hoping that we kind of get in the door of psychedelics. Once the ball really starts rolling from Nirvana Center's standpoint, you know, we already have an established line of dispensaries. So I think one of the owners of open to the idea. So I'm really hoping that we can make headway there. As far as my own struggles, like got to really dive deep into like Taking five gram, uh, grams of psilocybin or doing ayahuasca, it's definitely something that I want to do, but I'll be honest, I'm terrified. Trevor Hall says, you know, the dark within my dark is where I find my light, but I'm scared of the dark still. So I'm really easing into it and I don't want to overwhelm. You know, yeah. I, I am insecure and I know that it's all on me. So I think that I have to really learn how to love myself before I can start to try to heal myself because I have to trust myself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, DMT really opened my eyes. Um, when I was, after my second marriage ended, I really wanted to become the best version of myself. So my next partner, I was somebody who they deserved to be with and not this broken mess from abusive relationships and, you know, all, all things I've went through. DMT just kept coming up in my research and when I finally got to try it you know I blasted off and I felt it was like my grandma was was hugging me but it was like a thousand times more intense just this love that I've in its purest form and I so that's the love that I for myself yeah and I to learn how to tap into that mm-hmm. so I can you to grow as a person so yeah and- it's a trial for sure but I think I'm on the right track
0: yeah it sounds like it sounds like it I mean that sounds pretty pretty profound and you'll step there yep and you'll probably still be scared as soon as you ride up walking up to the door of it I don't think that ever goes away but what about you Matt what is your hope in the next six months what kind of people do you want to reach what kind of things do you want to do
1: Yeah, thank you, Shelly. First off, I just want to honor Amber's vulnerability and uh, and where you're at on your journey. Uh, You know, I look at vulnerability as a superpower for the world that we're shifting into and you are right on time wherever you're at. Uh, All that's required is a slow march in the direction of our dreams and leaning in, you know, putting out to the universe what you're seeking. And when the time is right, you're going to you feel safe to to have that ayahuasca journey or that five grams with a, a, a trusted friend to hold space for you, and it'll be a beautiful journey, and uh, it'll mm-hmm. be worth the fight.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. When I did five meo DMT, they did a presentation the night before, and Julie was very surprised because she texted a bunch of people and said, "Hey, this healer is coming," and I said, "I'm I'm doing it." And she was very surprised because that's not a decision that you take lightly. <laughs> she goes, okay. So we went to the presentation and one of the first things he says about, like, there's only two occasions where he would say, you, sh- you should not do this, right? And because people were asking, like, should I just drink a lot of coffee or <laughs> i am just had a baby, whatever it is. And the only two things were, one was about, are you on SSRIs? Are you on certain pharmaceuticals? He he was say you have to be like a certain month or two out of that. But the other thing was, if you feel pulled, it's the right time. But if you feel pushed, like don't let anybody say you got to try this. This is going to heal you. You you know you you've been in grief too long, and they're pushing you. If you feel pushed, he said, don't feel pushed. But if you feel pulled, then it then it might be the right time. And I was like, oh. Okay. Check. <laughs> Here I go. So thank you all so, so much. The book is called worth the fight. Uh, the audio book is read by the author who is hosting magic and microdose masterminds on nltrans.org. I'll put it in the post. I'll put it in the post worth,
1: worth the fight you know, has, is yes. a link to my site and i yes. um, on Instagram at worth the fight book. And, and absolutely, yeah, here to serve, um, my, my focus has shifted towards the microdosing and, you know, I've been in deep study the last 18 months, studying the magic in microdosing because there is a lot of magic here. And when we leverage the, the elevated neuroplasticity and we're in this controlled, supported group setting, we're leveraging tribe, group flow, community, et cetera, uh, magic can happen. Good things Mm -hmm. can happen in a really short amount of time, time timeframe. Yes. And, um, yeah, here to serve and and help out any way I can. I'm super grateful for the opportunity to, to share worth the fight. And of course would love the support of, of the book. And I'm donating all the profits to facilitate psychedelic healing in our war veterans. And, uh, yeah, feel free to reach out if I can ever be of service.
0: Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.